We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And yesterday, Chris Haynes had a report that hit on a, a couple of topics, but the main point that stood out to me is going to be the topic of our conversation today. And that was the the thought that between uh, Darvin Ham and LeBron James, they're on the same page about the idea that Anthony Davis needs to be a more central part of the offense. And so we've touched a bit on the four out one in system and and that look. And today's pod is going to be a bit about Anthony Davis, what that would look like if Anthony Davis were at the centerpiece of the Lakers offense. And so the topic of Anthony Davis in particular has been one that you've drawn attention to in some of your posts, in some of your commentary here on the pod, that he should be a more central focus of ours. And he is it's he's really the key that that makes all of this work or not. Darvin Ham spoke to this at his introductory press conference as well. On the offensive end in particular, AD had an up and down season last year. He was the league leader in points in the paint for a good portion of the season before he got hurt. He was also, I think, the third worst shooter outside of the paint in the NBA. And in an environment where a lot of the lineups didn't have great spacing, there was a lot of guys coming in and out of the lineup due to injuries, certainly not ideal circumstances. And then he had injuries of his own. Hopefully we are start of a a new day with this team. We've got uh, likely him moving back to the four. And so just talk to me wherever you want to go. Talk to me about AD on the offensive end in particular and what you're looking for this season. It's interesting because we've we consistently look back to 2019, 20, like the championship season, AD's first season with the team. And I think we're very quick. And I say we as in the royal we, but I think we do this as well on the LFR pod. We're consistently looking back to that season to draw parallels towards whatever new season is upon us and how the current iteration of the Lakers, however much it's changed. And there is change every single season because the roster turns over by more than half every single year. How this new team can look like that team. 
right? We did it when they brought in Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell. We did it when they brought in Russell Westbrook and all of these other different role players with Marc Gasol and everyone else, right? It's just like, okay, well, these are some ingredients that they can do with this. This is how it's different. But one of the things that, and so I'm going to do it again right now, and I think we do it too much, and here I am again. I'm about to do it, even though I just lamented a bunch, which, you know, score that on your bingo card for the LFR pod. Pete, you remember this. We were like, oh, man, when the Lakers first got AD, they're posting him up a lot and just yep. running a ton of isolations. And like, look at AD shooting 15 foot jumpers out of the mid post. And it's like, and look at LeBron just sort of force feeding him. And this was especially true, I feel like, in the first 15, 20 games of the season where almost every possession, LeBron, who was the point guard at that point, was making sure AD got a touch, right? Whenever they shared the floor. And a lot of times early in the shot clock, like they just dump it into to the post. Um, they'd space out around him. A couple guys would maybe cut on the weak side. And that was in essence, the Lakers, it was the root of the Lakers half court offense. And they did run a fair amount of LeBron and AD pick and roll, but the Lakers were a transition team first. And then it felt like at least they were a AD post-up team or isolation team second. And then they were a LeBron team overall, like him pulling the strings a lot. Mm -hmm. And so the nature of Haynes' report, Mike, I thought the wording was excellent within the context of how I envision things, which is like Darvin Ham and LeBron James are in agreement that the offense should run through Anthony Davis more. And that tells me that if for all the grasping at, oh, well, they can look like the 2019 team this way, they got two bigs again and AD's going to play the four. It's just like, no, this is the part that I think most resembles the idea of getting back to any sort of formula that resembles the 2019-20 championship season, which is like, hey, man, we got to get AD the ball. He is the young superstar in his physical prime, and he's the one who should be the foundation of the team's offense, which can sound strange when you still have LeBron James on your team, but I think I'm in sort of agreement here that AD does need to be featured more. And we'll get into this later on how that looks and how frustrated fans may or may not be on any given possession. But I do think that this is the right idea. Pete, I'd actually like to hear your thoughts first on this one, because I think I have a bit of a zag um, as to what that report was. But I'm, I'm curious what popped into your head when you saw this. Oh, you certainly have have my attention. Looking forward to, to hearing that. I also kind of go to how often are we going to post AD up? Because the way that looks, I agree with the overall concept that Darius is talking about of we have thought of that second ball handler is, oh, there needs to be someone to take the load off of LeBron. At, and we've thought of that as like kind of a similar player that can handle the ball, run pick and rolls, but a perimeter-based player when in reality, the guy who can be dominant possession after possession, a 16 point quarter on eight of nine shooting or, you know, four, four for four with eight free throws in a quarter, just the kind of bursts that 
a guy is just simply unguardable for a stretch. AD's the only guy on the team other than LeBron that can be that. And so it becomes a question to me of how that looks. And so the first place my mind goes is those Pelicans teams that had AD and DeMarcus Cousins in a, a kind of more spread out type of system. And AD was running a lot of handoffs. I could see us in that four out system. I could see AD being in one of those top positions and, you know, either deciding I'm going to flow toward the middle and give the ball to my guard or flow into a side ball screen with my shooter. And or and I could also see us posting up just as we have in the past as well. So I'm curious to see kind of how it happens. But I do agree with Darius that the Anthony Davis being the hub, the cent- central point of our offense, especially throughout the regular season, I think that's a likelier scenario, and I think it's one that that is what needs to happen to alleviate some of the burden off of LeBron, even more so than that like secondary ball handler that we've talked about so much. So it's August, and I think that these types of conversations, right, the coaches are all sitting around and talking and, and looking at some tape from the last couple of years and thinking, all right, well, like what, what can we do this season to get to where we want to be? And should there be more Anthony Davis? Yes, but were the last two seasons that different for Davis? I mean, he attempted basically the same number of shots, right? 17.0 in 2021. Last year it was 17.4. And then during the championship season, 17.7. I think that LeBron is on the court and LeBron is still the hub of any offense. Like he's still the person that whether he's shooting more or less or he's scoring more or less, like he went up to 30 points last year. Of course, he was more like 25, but AD still had about the same number of touches and shots. So will the places that AD is getting the ball differ some in Darwin's system? I think yes. But to me, all of this is a little bit more just about uh, pumping AD up as well that the Lakers should and letting him know what his importance is. And which which to me is not so much about what he's doing on offense and where he's getting the ball. It's just about him being totally engaged and healthy and on the court and maybe a little bit lighter, like all the things that we talked about before in the AD podcast. And also that there isn't going to be a second per- person out there or a third, I should say, like in Russell Westbrook, that's taking more of those shots and actions away that it's like it. If you even if you want to try to say it's AD and then LeBron, fine. I think it's LeBron and then AD. But then that whoever that third player is has to be in that in a support role. Mike, this is where I'm going to push back some. So I definitely agree that AD shot attempts have been basically the same. But in the 1920 season, he shot almost nine free throws a game. Those are also shot attempts. They are a marker of of possessions used. They're also a marker of AD's own personal aggression and how much he's getting to the line. But of the three seasons that, that he's been been here, in his first season with the team, he had the most field goal attempts even though it's small right it's in the 17 range but he's his free throws have progressively gone down over the last couple of seasons and so i do think that the free throw attempts is also indicative of a again the types of shots that he's taking and where he's taking them um and how aggressive he is but it's also symbolic of him actually taking more shots and i do think that that involvement in trying to involve him more offensively is and needs to be a bigger point of emphasis than maybe it's ever been since he's joined the team. And and I think that that should be true 
whether Russ is on the team or not. And I think it should be true regardless of how good LeBron James continues to be or if we start to see decline, right? Like, I just think that it is AD's time to become more of a hub of offense for the Lakers. And and that's where I would kick it back to you, Pete, because I think that this is also then going to involve seeing some growth in Anthony Davis's game and some return to things that he's done better in the past than what he did last year, especially, but the year before that as well. And so in the same way that like Frank Vogel and to a certain extent, even Anthony Davis sort of like put the onus on LeBron James that first season about like, hey, like I expect to see all defense level LeBron and this, this, that and the other. I think this is sort of a pivot where now it's the head coach and LeBron James basically saying like, oh, well, I want to see an offensive version of AD that is approaching or at a peak level that he really hasn't, whether he hasn't felt like it or just hasn't been able to, he hasn't quite reached the last two seasons. And I don't know if it's ever going to be at the bubble level because that was an unbelievable player. But I think that that's sort of what they're getting at. Like we need him to be that dude, which is like a 30 usage or an over 30 usage level player. And that's a different guy than the 27 usage guy that was here last season. 100%. And I think that there are reasons within the how of it that kind of explain that, that moving to the five spot and bulking up a little bit, uh, it's handles week right now in the, uh, for the NBA. They've got, they had these theme weeks throughout August and this week is handles week. And I'd been looking through Anthony Davis footage throughout the last three seasons and the ball handling, the like, oh, AD had a sweet crossover or just totally cooked a guy. The concentration of it in that first year, probably 75% of the clips that fit that description were in that first season, that 1920 year. And then maybe eight, 10% were this past season where he'd gained a little bit of weight and, and bulked up, right? To play that five spot. But I think that took away a certain degree of ball handling opportunities that I think this version of a four out type of style really uh, accentuates. So that's the thing I'm looking for, Mike, is your your point is well made about the shot attempts and about there's a certain message that's being sent and of be aggressive, be the guy. We really need you. We really need to depend on you to be aggressive. But I think within the context of the how, this type of offense, it really favors dribble penetration. And AD is one of those bigs, even at the fourth spot, where he can beat you off of the dribble and he's so good on those floaters and it's shooting over the top of you at kind of these awkward angles that if you're guarding him with a conventional four, he's going to beat them in that way. If you go big, he's really going to blow past guys that I think that him slimming down, him moving back to the fourth spot is really, really beneficial to this part of his game. But the the how of it within that, uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to give some thoughts on that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So the biggest difference I would say between how the Bucks play four out style, which is what I kind of anticipate us doing, and how other teams play that four out style is they really emphasize flattening out the defense, which means no lingering in the mid-range. This is really important for just about every player. There are going to be some sets where we do post up, some sets where we do run an elbow series. But by and large, you don't want to just hang out at the elbow. You don't want to just hang out on the low block if you're in that five spot. And that's something that AD does a lot in terms of like we ran a lot of four out principles last year. And there were a lot of plays where guys would pass the ball and just kind of hang out in that spot when what you're supposed to do to maintain spacing, fill that open spot, sprint weak side corner, go into the dunker spot, Mike, go make sure you're maintaining the integrity of the spacing. And so that is something that I'm really going to be keeping an eye on with AD is how committed is he to kind of keeping that flow and keeping the integrity of the spacing, because I think that he is the person that stands to benefit the most at that and kind of get back to that 1920 style of being that really big wing that can handle the ball rather than being relied upon as much as a big. Well, I think we have to look at the context of 1920 versus what this season is through the LeBron lens and physically where LeBron's at. Mm. So mm-hmm. the thing that to me marked that season when, when the Lakers acquired AD is that LeBron came out of the gates defending uh, like a bat out of hell, like doing all of the little things, making sure that AD got his touches in the right places. Like LeBron was trying to win. Uh, and, and and he still had, I think, a different level of physical capability, uh, especially early in, season, in the season and able to do that. So then, of course, the Lakers go through they have the the pandemic layoff for or the the break, and then they go back. They win the title. The next season starts, and the bubble tax hits right, and AD is affected more than anybody. LeBron somehow still looks like LeBron, but eventually everybody breaks down. Then we get to the to previous season, and Russell Westbrook comes in, and then you know so AD's playing more center. He's bulked up, et cetera. So to me, it's not so much that like the Darius makes a great point about the free throw attempts, but that to me is is not necessarily what like the Lakers were running it's more like LeBron and and them kind of encouraging AD to get to that spot and then the circumstances that followed have sort of left AD having to do a lot of the heavy lifting in all of the other areas which guess what for this season this season's roster he still has to do LeBron can't go back to 
to sort of like playing defense like that, especially early and, and just expecting AD to have the, to have more of the usage on offense and run everything through AD. Like AD has got to be the one that's leading the way on defense first for, for me on this team. So can he do that also? And then have a certain element of like being the sole, not the sole focus, being a, the very first focus on offense, he's in his prime. So this would be the year that he, that he should be able to do more of that. I just see that, that what the team needs are as being more of the, uh, as being less so uh, on the offensive end. And, and I guess that's part of what my earlier point was. And I'm not denying that it, that, that would be good for AD, but I don't see how the complementary pieces on this roster would allow that to be so. Yeah, see, this is where I'm just of the mind that if LeBron and AD can't play two-way basketball at an elite level, the Lakers have no chance. It all falls apart. Well, I that. think yeah. I think AD can, but I, I mean, can LeBron, we're expecting LeBron in year 20 to play two-way basketball for the whole regular season when they don't have a, a number three at this point? If he can't, the Lakers aren't going to be very good. I don't know what else to say about that. And that's the premise of the team, right? The premise of the team is like, they still have LeBron James and they still have Anthony Davis. And if that's no longer the premise of the team, then like we need to have a different discussion about what next year's team is supposed to look like and what realistic expectations are around this idea of, of even all of the maneuvering that we've been discussing as potential like uh, swaps of Russell Westbrook for better fitting players or just better players in general who are going to offer more complementary skill sets, whether that's from a role player perspective or from a quasi elite level perspective to say like this is going to try to push this team higher up into the standings and and in the contending window. I'm also a firm believer in habits, right? And so one of the things that I think really hurt the Lakers last season was that idea of kicking the can down the road and this delaying of the forming of habits hidden behind this idea of, well, we have to learn how to play together. Well, one of the ways you learn how to play together is going hard and doing the things that you're supposed to be doing from from the very beginning, because that's how you learn what works and what doesn't. And so, yeah, if you're playing together, playing yeah. together at a high level of intensity is how you learn how to play together. Yeah. Sorry. And so, Pete, like, am I so off base here? And Mike, like, I hear what you're saying. LeBron 20th season, he's going to be 38 on right when the calendar year turns. I get it. 100%. And we should be having a dialogue about what are realistic expectations around LeBron James and what he can and can't do. And when is the decline coming? And is that lurking? Like that's a whole separate pod, but that's a real discussion. And we probably need to have that. But the flip side of it is that you can't tell LeBron James, well, you get to coast on defense or not play as hard on that side of the floor because of those factors and still think that the Lakers are going to be a championship contender, even, and I would say this, even if they had better fitting parts around them, because then it's basically, you're saying, well, LeBron, you get to be a James Harden type of player during the regular season. And then, and then in the postseason, you get to turn it on, but that's like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think you're giving your team the opportunity to build the cohesion and the togetherness and all aspects of the game that they're going to need when it is actually winning time. That said, Mike's point that it, it is year 20 and 
having that high, too high of an expectation of LeBron is unrealistic defensively. And that's why something I wanted to bring up real quick, Mike, is something I saw last year within all of the, the muck of last season that I thought was, hmm, this is interesting. And I think potentially the next couple of years of LeBron's career defensively is one of the benefits of him playing the five spot. And I'm not necessarily saying that I think he'll do that a lot on this year's team, but essentially being in that defensive role is that he's able to kind of quarterback the defense. That's the QB of the defense is the guy who's in that back spot who can see everything in front of him. And if AD is deployed out on the perimeter and LeBron has more of these possessions where he's able to tell other guys. And that's one thing I do think that we have in the role players is guys who will run around and play hard, which is we did not have last year. And so, so if LeBron's like, and that position's always talking like, hey, you know, close out this way, screen coming up left, that, that and that, right? You don't want to do this against the big guys. You don't want LeBron banging against your Balanchunas and all those guys. But I do think that there is a way to kind of get both where you can still get a really high level defensive LeBron that doesn't have to tap into his physical gifts for 82. That's for playoff time, but can still, you can still get a lot of production out of him defensively. Well, that I agree with, but in order to do that, you need AD to be a certain level of locked in and featured defensively. Okay. Amen. And so that's my point that like Mm -hmm. to, to optimize what you can get out of LeBron. And this is, by the way, this is a, uh, this is like in no ways a critique of LeBron. This is a massive compliment that we're still even talking about him having the chance to be this type of an impact player in year 20, which has never happened before for a single player. There are only nine other players Mm -hmm. that have even played that long, let alone a guy that you could come in saying, yeah, he's definitely going to be an all-star this year. Um, and he's got it. He can easily score 30 points a game efficiently. if you Because he showed us that year that that's the thing that is sustainable to me, that the way that LeBron has figured out how to play offense, like in a small ball uh, type of a setting especially, um, I see that I think can carry through. But I'm having trouble seeing how all of this this talk yesterday in that article about AD emerges within that that LeBron. It doesn't ask LeBron mm. to go back and being like like kind of a support slash role. Of, okay, that's way that's way too extreme. But I'm just I'm having trouble marrying what I've seen from like LeBron do last year and be my thinking what he's going to be able to do this year um, into the like hey let's focus on running the offense through AD this year and and maybe I'm being too simple about it but that's 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 just what I'm thinking. No, I think it's fair. I also think that if there's a player who understands and is as malleable in terms of a decision making process from possession to possession on how to manage the whole damn thing, it's probably LeBron James. Right. And so I remember LeBron's first season with with the team where the team was full of young guys and then the young guys were hurt. Right. Like B.I. missed some time and Lonzo missed some time. And I remember thinking, man. LeBron's not really playing that hard at like certain points of the year. And then you look up and it's just like, oh, look, LeBron's got 27, eight and seven. And like, how'd that happen? And it's because he can get his numbers regardless, Mike. And I think that that's the point that you were speaking to is that he can still do that and he can do it efficiently and and he'll find his spots. Um, For me, though, in getting back to AD, it's like, I think it's smart for LeBron to say, I can get my numbers. If we're going to be the team that we want to be, it's got to be because AD is taking this lead. And I don't disagree with you either, Mike, that AD has to focus on defense as well, but he also needs to focus on offense. And I don't want the standard that we hold AD to as 
it being like, okay, well, it's one or the other, or you need to shift your focus and be like a 60% defense player and a 40% offense player in order to be like, oh, you're 100%. It's just like, nah, man, like I need you to be a 100% defense player. And then when we go down on the other court, like I need you to be a 100% offense yeah, player. I, too I get behind I that. Need, I can get behind that. Yeah, no. I want him to be a quarterback and then I want him to put on bigger pads and then I want him to play middle linebacker. It's like, this is what he is. He is the guy who is in his physical prime. He is the guy who is most capable. And so, and LeBron sees it too. And if AD isn't capable of that, and this is where I'd love to hear your thoughts, Pete, then it's just like, this is why you traded all the stuff for him a few seasons ago. Now you got rewarded with a championship when he was that dude. You saw it. We all saw it a couple of seasons ago. He was elite offensively and he was elite defensively where going into the next season, people were like, is Anthony Davis contending for the best player in the world? Right. And so that's the vibe I got coming out of the article. It was that it was like, we know what this dude is capable of. And we want to, we want to try to help facilitate that. Exactly. And that's why it's not a matter of like, oh, is he capable of doing this on both ends? We've seen it. And we've seen it to the point where when he's doing that at his best, he everyone's on the bench for the last six minutes of the game because we're <laughs> up by 20, you know, because AD and LeBron are, are cooking and very hard to contend with that if you can also defend. And I think that we have a much better capability of doing that outside of LeBron and AD with this season's roster than we did last year. But one of the things that and – and Mike touched on this a bit with the Russ acquisition is AD at his worst offensively can float. There can be long stretches of the game where he doesn't really touch the ball. He doesn't really roll to the basket. And I think one of the things that this facilitates, Mike, just getting the ball in his hands, even if it's just to start a handoff, it's difficult to float when you got the ball and when you're in the center of the frame. So I think all of this kind of speaks it's, – it's similar to your point, but I think it's all in the same family. No, and that's that's a, it's a great way to tie it up because I'm what I think that the the report or at least how we and we don't know exactly what LeBron said we don't know what Darwin said we don't know what the discussion was but to me it's more of a it's more of a like a principle like AD you're like you're the guy you know we we need you you know things have to run through you in practice on the on the court is that going to happen all the time like no of course not especially with LeBron out there but I think that's the mindset that the team needs AD to be in is that I'm, the, I'm that dude, right. What he was saying in the bubble, like that, that to me is what it's more about uh, than anything. And if AD comes into the season with that mentality, as Darius said, if well, let me put it this way, if he doesn't, then they have no chance uh, regardless of what happens with a trade or with that third spot. Like he has to now raise his game to that next level, which we, I don't know if I think that maybe we thought we were sure of this last year, but like once they made that trade, that had to be true also last year, and it wasn't right when Russ came, regardless of what Russ did. And so that that to me is where where I think the Lakers are, and maybe Davis together, whoever, however the mental approaches to this, that's what it has to be true. And I'm just taking it more on principle than I am on on like fact and as to what they have to do with giving him the basketballs a certain amount of times. That makes sense. Well, this is why too that I'll be very interested to see the big combinations and how much AD does play at center, right? Is it closer to the like 40% range that he did in the championship season? And then who is he most paired with as his partner? And, or does he split that equally? Because Thomas Bryant is going to allow Davis 
to play more in that dunker spot area, Pete, and be the guy who is the one in in the context of four out one in. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas Damian Jones is more of a player who is going to push AD out to the perimeter and whether that's spotting up in the corner or if it's one of the guys who is playing up high more and maybe in a handoff position or even someone who is playing screen and roll basketball by coming up from the corner and then having the other big space to the like opposite dunker spot right in order to facilitate two-man game on one side of the floor with everyone else cleared to the opposite side. There's a lot of ways to facilitate AD being involved in any given possession, but his partner, whoever the other big man is, or if he's the lone big man, is going to influence what the sets look like and how his involvement plays out on the court. I'll be interested to see how much they do post him up like if you use the Bucks as as an example, it's tricky because Giannis is a one of one and he dribbles into a ton of post ups. So he starts out high and then mm-hmm. he is like a battering ram. And then he suddenly it's like he's two dribbles. He's to the paint. A guy holds him up, but then he's backing a guy down. That's a different style of post up than what A.D. has done. Do you think A.D. can I know they're different players, but I can see some. Yan, like putting AD in Giannis spots, right? Where it's like, hey, we're going to make sure that we've got space for you to drive. That is essentially what we're looking for you to do is to drive from that slot position. We see this with Milwaukee all the time. And just the sheer force of your skill combined with your size and coordination is going to draw two. We've seen AD drawing doubles in the post and that being kind of the main way that we attack under Frank Vogel. I'm curious, do you think that Ham goes toward that a bit and be like, hey, we're going to give you the ball in the slot and see if you can go to work. I would argue that his jump shot becomes very important in in that context. I'm not sure, man. Like, I know that he can do that stuff, but like, and maybe I'm wrong about this and I'll be proven wrong, but I see them posting him up, man. Like, Mm -hmm. I see because LeBron and AD are both still so good as like, back to the basket, throw me the ball and then turn in face or or either get into a post up. They're both too good at that to say like, oh, no, we're going to put you in the slot like 80 percent of the time or look for you to be drivers that that often. They're still too good at the other thing to say like like, no, we're going to take that out of the playbook or minimize that. And just if teams are going to pack the paint anyway then you may as well try to get the ball in there a little closer through a post-up instead of just like attacking off the dribble into a loaded defense, uh, which is almost always going to be there when it's LeBron and AD. So I I think there's some utility in the post-up there too to sort of make the defense like, okay, fine, you want to pack the paint? Well, then we'll just give AD the ball in the block and then you better, he's going to score on your one guy or if you bring another, then you have to get out of your packed paint because you're bringing another defender over to double and then we can swing, swing. And this is also much more sustainable in the playoffs as well, right? Like these are playoff type possessions where it becomes more of those ISOs and those post-ups and uh, less of the your motion principles are, are going to work. Well, what I was going to say too, Pete, is that this is also where if AD could get back to the more springy athlete that he was when he first mm-hmm. came to the team, that was the player who was devastating because he was nearly impossible to guard against any sort of matchup, 
right? And so mm-hmm. you put a big dude out there to try to bruise him up. He's going to take him out to the perimeter, and that's where him being able to attack off of the dribble and shoot the jump shot off of the bounce, that's where that stuff matters. And then if you do have a more traditional four on him who is maybe smaller or you get a switch, then he can then go down to the block and play out of the post a little bit more. And he can also post bigger guys, and he can turn in face, and he can play 15 or 12 feet and in, and then, you know, rip move one dribble spin jump hook fading like that's the beauty of a prime anthony davis and it gets back to the point that you started this entire conversation with is that if the lakers are trying to optimize ad then they need to play to all of those strengths and ad needs to understand Mm -hmm. that he Mm -hmm. needs to bring all of that tool kit back to the floor with him on any given night because the expectation is like yeah, man, like you're going to be in the top 10 in scoring. Like you're not going to be a 22, 23, 24 point per game guy. Like like that's a high number for all-star dudes. We're looking at all NBA Anthony Davis, which is going to probably be in the 27, 28, 29 point per game guy like I think that's what the Lakers are trying to target with Anthony Davis and LeBron is going to be important in that because he is going to be managing a lot of these possessions whether he's on ball or not because he is just such a force in his own right which I think is the point that Mike was making earlier too absolutely very curious to see the version of AD that we get this season after after seeing him primarily play as a big in large part because we didn't have other competent bigs I think that's going to make a huge difference this year is we just have other guys at the five spot who can play. Whereas last year, it's like, we don't really have anybody else that can do these things at a high level. Uh, I think that's going to help him return to that big wing that I think is his kind of natural state. So, uh, all right, this is fun. We will be back probably on Friday. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers.
the Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.